Chapter Fifty Two of Is He Popenjoy? This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Is He Popenjoy by Anthony Trollope? Chapter Fifty Two Another Lover. The party at Rudham Park had hardly been a success, nor was it much improved in wit or gaiety when Mrs. Montacute Jones. Lord Giblet and Jack de Baron had gone away, and Canon Holdenough and his wife, with Mr. Groshet, had come in their places. This black influx, as Lord Brotherton called it, had all been due to consideration for his lordship. Mr. de Baron thought that his guest would like to see, at any rate, one of his own family, and Lady Alice Holdenough was the only one whom he could meet. As to Mr. Groshet, he was the dean's bitterest enemy, and would therefore, it was thought, be welcome. The bishop had been asked, as Mr. de Baron was one who found it expedient to make sacrifices to respectability, but, as was well known, the bishop never went anywhere except to clerical houses. Mr. Groshet, who was a younger man, knew that it behooved him to be all things to all men, and that he could not be efficacious among sinners unless he would allow himself to be seen in their paths. Care was, of course, taken that Lady Alice should find herself alone with her brother, it was probably expected that the Marquis would be regarded as less of an ogre in the country if it were known that he had had communication with one of the family without quarrelling with her. "'So you're come here,' he said. "'I didn't know that people so pious would enter de Baron's doors. Mr. de Baron is a very old friend of the canons. I hope he isn't very wicked, and I'm afraid we are not very pious. If you don't object, of course I don't. So they've all gone back to the old house? Mama is there.' "'And George?' he asked in a sharp tone. "'And George, at present. "'George is, I think, the biggest fool I ever came across in my life. "'He is so cowed by that man whose daughter he has married "'that he doesn't know how to call his soul his own. "'I don't think that, Brotherton. "'He never goes to the deanery to stay there. "'Then what makes him quarrel with me? "'He ought to know which side his bread is buttered. "'He has a great deal of money with her, you know. "'If he thinks his bread is buttered on that side— let him stick to that side and say so. I will regard none of my family as on friendly terms with me who associate with the Dean of Brotherton or his daughter after what took place up in London. Lady Alice felt this to be a distinct threat to herself, but she allowed it to pass by without notice. She was quite sure that the canon would not quarrel with the Dean out of deference to his brother-in-law. The fact is, they should all have gone away as I told them, and especially when George had married the girl and got her money. It don't make much difference to me, but it will make a deal to him. How is Popenjoy, Brotherton? asked Lady Alice, anxious to change the conversation. I don't know anything about him. What? He has gone back to Italy with his mother. How can I tell? Ask the dean. I don't doubt that he knows all about him. He has people following them about and watching every mouthful they eat. I think he has given all that up. Not he. He'll have to, unless he means to spend more money than I think he has got. "'George is quite satisfied about Popenjoy now,' said Lady Alice. "'I fancy George didn't like the expense. "'But he began it, and I'll never forgive him. "'I fancy it was he and Sarah between them. "'They'll find that they will have had the worst of it. "'Poor little beggar hadn't much life in him. "'Why couldn't they wait? "'Is it so bad as that, Brotherton? "'They tell me he is not a young Hercules. "'Oh, yes, you can give my love to my mother. "'Tell her that if I don't see her it is all George's fault.' I am not going to the house while he's there. To the canon he hardly spoke a word, 
nor was the canon very anxious to talk to him but it became known throughout the country that the marquis had met his sister at rudham park and the general effect was supposed to be good i shall go back to-morrow de baron he said to his host that same afternoon this was the day on which jack had gone to brotherton we shall be sorry to lose you i'm afraid it has been rather dull not more dull than usual everything is dull after a certain time of life unless a man has made some fixed line for himself some men can eat and drink a great deal but i haven't got stomach for that some men play cards but i didn't begin early enough to win money and i don't like losing it the sort of things that a man does care for die away from him and of course it becomes dull i wonder you don't have a few horses in training i hate horses and i hate being cheated they don't cheat me said mr de baron ah very likely they would me i think i made a mistake de baron in not staying at home and looking after the property it's not too late now yes it is i could not do it i could not remember the tenants names and i don't care about game i can't throw myself into a litter of young foxes or get into a fury of passion about pheasants eggs it's all beastly nonsense but if a fellow could only bring himself to care about it that wouldn't matter i don't care about anything you read no i don't i pretend to read a little if they had left me alone i think i should have had myself bled to death in a warm bath but i won't now that man's daughter shan't be lady brotherton if i can help it i have rather liked being here on the whole the why that you have a germane impostor in your house and a poor clergyman i can't make out he's the deputy bishop of the diocese but why have the bishop himself unless he happened to be a friend does your daughter like her marriage i hope so she does not complain he's an awful ass and always was i remember when you used always to finish up your books by making him bet as you pleased he always won and now you've made him marry your daughter perhaps he is one there i like her if my wife would die and he would die we might get up another match and cut out lord george after all this speculation was too deep even for mr de baron who laughed and shuffled himself about and got out of the room wouldn't you have liked to be a marchioness he said some hours afterwards to mrs houghton she was in the habit of sitting by him and talking to him late in the evening while he was sipping his curacao and soda water and had become accustomed to hear odd things from him he liked her because he could say what he pleased to her and she would laugh and listen and show no offence but this last question was very odd of course she thought that it referred to the old overtures made to her by lord george but in that case had she married lord george she could only have been made a marchioness by his own death by that and by the death of the little popenjoy of whom she had heard so much if it had come in my way fairly she said with an arch smile i don't mean that you should have murdered anybody suppose you had married me you never asked me my lord you were only eight or nine years old when i saw you last isn't it a pity you didn't get yourself engaged to me then such things have been done if the coast were clear i wonder whether you'd take me now the coast isn't clear lord brotherton no by george i wish it were and so do you too if you'd dare to say so you think i should be sure to take you i think you would i should ask you at any rate i'm not swelled by ten years as houghton your age would not be the stumbling-block what then i didn't say there would be any i don't say that there would not it's a kind of thing that a woman doesn't think of it's just the kind of thing that women do think of then they don't talk about it lord brotherton your brother you know did want me to marry him what george before houghton certainly 
before I had thought of Mr. Houghton. Why the deuce did you refuse him? Why did you let him take that little— He did not fill up the blank, but Mrs. Houghton quite understood that she was to suppose everything that was bad. I never heard of this before. It wasn't for me to tell you. What an ass you were. Perhaps so. What should we have lived upon? Papa would not have given us an income. I could. But you wouldn't. You didn't know me then. Perhaps you'd have been just as keen as she is to rob my boy of his name. And so George wanted to marry you? Was he very much in love? I was bound to suppose so, my lord. And you didn't care for him? I didn't say that. But I certainly did not care to set up housekeeping without a house, or without the money to get one. Was I wrong? I suppose a fellow ought to have money when he wants to marry. Well, my dear, there is no way of knowing what may come yet. Won't it be odd if, after all, you should be Marchioness of Brotherton some day? After that, won't you give me a kiss before you say good-night? I would have done if you had been my brother-in-law. Or, perhaps, if the people were not all moving about in the next room. Good-night, Marquis. Good-night. Perhaps you'll regret some day that you haven't done what I asked. I might regret it more if I did. Then she took herself off, inquiring in her own mind whether it might still be possible that she should ever preside in the drawing-room at Manor Cross. Had he not been very much in love with her, surely he would not have talked to her like that. "'I think I'll say good-bye to you, de Baron,' the Marquis said to his host that night. "'You won't be going early?' "'No, I never do anything early. But I don't like a fuss, just as I am going. I'll get down and drive away to catch some train. My man will manage it all. "'You go to London?' I shall be in Italy within a week. I hate Italy, but I think I hate England worse. If I believed in heaven and thought I was going there, what a hurry I should be in to die. Let us know how Popenjoy is. You'll be sure to know whether he is dead or alive. There's nothing else to tell. I never write letters except to Knox, and very few to him. Good night. When the Marquis was in his room, his courier, or the man so called, came to undress him. "'Have you heard anything to-day?' he asked in Italian. The man said that he had heard. A letter had reached him that afternoon from London. The letter had declared that little Popenjoy was sinking. "'That will do, Bonnie,' he said. "'I will get into bed by myself.' Then he sat down and thought of himself, and his life, and his prospects, and of the prospects of his enemies. End of chapter 52